Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you heard all the rave about the new Quick Grill located inside the Be Quick Chevron on Veterans Boulevard? Come visit Be Quick Chevron along with Quick Grill, Be Quick Food Marts, your locally owned hometown convenience store, wherever you are. Howdy, howdy, it's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Well, good morning to you on a Tuesday morning. A beautiful day outside. Absolutely gorgeous. Still wearing a jacket. Why? Because we have two settings on the thermostat here in the building. Either you're going to boil or a frost is going to form on your knuckles as you sit here and shiver. It's usually the second, so I come prepared. Dave Hughes in on this Tuesday, middays, live in the Element Wealth Studios over in the booth. Last time I was here, you weren't here. Rhino back. Oh, yeah. I mean, Rhino's Hate been I missed here. It. For me, Rhino's back, but uh, for everybody else, he's, he's a, a standard component of the show here. How you doing, man? Oh, not too bad. About yourself? Not bad. Not bad at all. It's a very good day. It's a, well, in some ways, depends on what you want to look at. Of course, the big thing, and we were talking about it some back in the, uh, in the break room before we came on the air, several of us. I'm talking to uh, Tanya T about it because this this is right in her wheelhouse. Midnight Pacific last night, the writers went on strike in Hollywood. Uh, this is uh, last time this happened was 2007. Lasted for a hundred days, which is one of the shorter strikes. Out of the ones that they've taken over the years, they struck back in the 30s, they struck in the 50s. This happens about every 15 or 20 years. It's a little bit different now because the the streaming platforms have basically impacted what the writers are making uh, and what they're able to make and the jobs they're able to get. And the network said, well, we don't care. That, that was basically their reaction in negotiation, so the writers are now on strike. How does this affect you? Well, if you don't watch TV, don't go to the movies, not that much, honestly. Uh, If you enjoy any of that, or if you really are annoyed by reality television and unscripted shows, oh, do I have some bad news for you. That's where all this mess came from. Kinda. I mean, it you had, around, you had but reality TV on on MTV with like Road Rules and Real World, and then the crossovers of those two. But I would argue, yeah the the 2007 writer strike really did give a whole lot of momentum to the celebrity reality shows, where you're following the love life of Flavor Flav, or the Apprentice, all of a sudden, it's not the, the Joe Schmoe. It's, oh, we got to get B and C list actors to try to run a business. So, it, yeah, it, 
it insulated a lot of the uh, the the. It put up a barrier to entry for reality TV for the everyday average person, which is a little ironic because the beginnings of reality TV was your 15 minutes of fame. Yeah. Put it like this. They just announced that next month, I think it is, season 14 of The Real Housewives of New York City is debuting. Well, it was 15 years ago we had the writer's strike, so you do the math. (laughs) Gee, I wonder where that came from. And now it's everywhere. I don't care about any of the housewives in any of the cities, but here they are. And, and, you know, they're, they're stars. Don't believe it. Just ask them. They're stars. Thomas says, Chat GPT didn't know I was going to be here today. You know, it's funny you say that. That's part of the argument about uh, compensation for the writers in this strike. They want to make sure that if any of their work is used to generate additional scripts using artificial intelligence, that they still get paid for it because they came up with the idea. So there's some back and forth, but but artificial intelligence and chat GPT and things like that are playing a part in this strike, and it ain't the last time that's going to come up. See, when you weren't here, Will was here, and uh, I logged in because I've got a subscription to chat GPT. Right. Because I'm curious. I logged in and had to write, it wrote a close to the show for me, which I read out loud. <laughs> and it was writing faster than I could read it. Just spitting it right out, and it was it was perfect. Uh, so, uh, no, Thomas, we didn't ask it that because what's the point? We all know it's going to lie. What's the point, right? Uh, that's like the the picture going around social media now with the the Snapchat AI that you can have a conversation with, and the person using Snapchat asks, "Do you know my location?" And the AI goes, "No, I don't know your location." He goes, are you lying to me? He goes, no, I'm not lying. I don't know your location. Are you sure you don't know where I'm located? For your privacy, we don't know your location. All right, where's the nearest McDonald's? The nearest McDonald's is right around the corner. Yep. Trust us. That's the most horrifying phrase you can hear. Trust me. That, that doesn't end well. Quite a few times it, it does not have the result you're hoping for. Especially with AI. Artificial intelligence. It's good with language models. They still hadn't figured out how to convincingly create moving pictures. Yeah. It's making it's progressing at a really rapid rate. And I think it'll get there. It's just not there yet. Like you said, still pictures, as long as you're not hung up on things like the number of fingers a human being has, uh, it'll fool you. It can fool you. And it's getting better about about the fingers, too. Uh, now you got to look for teeth. Yeah, now it's the teeth. you you got a Tom Cruise smile. smile. looks like there's too many teeth in it. It might be an AI smile. Yeah. Isn't it Tom Cruise that has the one tooth right in the middle when he got his dental work <laughs> yeah. done? You know, where everybody else has the split and it goes. No, he's got one right in the middle because, you know, you got to be extra no matter what. Uh, and it turns everybody into that. This isn't going anywhere. This is going to be a continuing conversation. And this is, I, to the best of my knowledge, this is the first time this has come up in a labor discussion with the writer's strike. I, I don't know of anywhere else that I've seen so far where it has become 
uh, an actual negotiation point in contracts or potential strikes. I mean, there's been conversations about how especially language model AIs could replace menial legal work that like for instance you got to hire a lawyer to incorporate a business well, you don't have to but it's recommended but an ai could do the job just as well pretty much anything that's in the legal profession that is considered quote unquote boilerplate an ai could do it easier faster and cheaper than hiring a lawyer yeah so there've been conversations about that field there've been other conversations about coding but I don't think it's risen to labor contracts or negotiations, although I could see that coming up soon in, in coding. Oh, yeah, and in, in a lot of different areas, this is about to make a big impact. So if you've been listening to that and you've been saying, oh, the artificial intelligence, what's that got to do with me? Oh, it's going to. It's going to have something to do with you before it's over with because, like you said, this is being discussed in all areas. Uh this, I think, is the first time where it's actually listed as one of the negotiating points in uh, talks that led to a strike, where it's impacting the ability of people to earn. That's going to continue moving forward. People are going to lose their jobs. People's jobs are going to change. New people are going to come in and take over the jobs that understand how to work with it, whereas the old ones didn't and had no interest in learning. There's going to be a big sea change when it comes to employment in general because of this. And this is the first concrete example of it. It's not the only issue with this strike. It's not the only thing they're striking about. But it's mentioned. It's a, it's a part. It is a negotiation point. Get ready for that. Just bow up because it's coming. So I say all that to say this. And when I was here last time, we pulled it out because Will and I got to talking, and I said, oh, I've got that right here. Hold on. Called it up. Uh, because so many people may have heard of it, but have no idea what it is, how it works, what kind of impact it can have, what kind of things it can and cannot do. At least get a baseline understanding because I would, I, I'm going to crawl way out on a limb here right now. I know that's odd. I never do that. It's very strange behavior from me, but I'm going to climb way out on a limb and say within the next five years, you or someone in your family is going to be impacted by artificial intelligence when it comes to employment. I think in that, one way or another, I could see that. Yeah, I think it's a pretty safe bet. So just my advice, learn a little bit about it now. So Because you didn't say negatively impacted. No, just impacted. Positive, negative, whatever, it's going to change something for your family in the next five years. It's going to happen. I don't, I don't care where you're at. I don't care what you do. It's going to have an impact sometime in the next five years. Just advice. You can take it or do what most people do. Leave it if you don't agree with it and then come back later. And Well, the... The line for me to tell you, I told you so, always starts to the left. Remember that. I try to make sure that's clear to direct traffic. We continue on Middays in the Element Well Studios on a Tuesday morning next. I feel good. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. What? what? This is so awesome. On Super Talk Mississippi. 
Welcome back. Super Talk Mississippi. The Element Well Studios Middays. Dave Hughes here. And if your phone went off, I'm in Jackson. I live in southwest Mississippi, so of course Bolivar County something happened and my phone alert system went off. But in this case, sense. It, well, it's understandable because this guy's on the loose. Uh, in case you didn't hear what happened, uh, a state trooper was shot in the arm this morning by a suspect. It was early. I think I think I saw somewhere it was like seven, eight o'clock this morning. Uh, got shot in the arm. The guy ran. Stanley Self Jr., twenty three years of age, uh, was believed to be on foot. And last seen wearing a white T-shirt and khaki pants. He's believed to be armed and dangerous. If you see him, if you think you see him, call 911. Don't say, well, I'm not sure, so I'm not going to bother him. No. Trust me on this. You will not find anybody in law enforcement that will disagree with this. They would rather have too many reports that turned out not to be him than to not get the one that is him. So let's... If you think it, yeah, go ahead and call. What's the expression? If you see something, say something. Yeah, if you think you see it, yeah, call. 911 is the easiest way. You can call 855-485-TIPS. The good news, non-life-threatening injuries. The trooper was shot in the arm. Uh, going to be okay. I mean, he's been shot, so he's going to be as okay as you can be in that situation. Uh, but the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation is in charge. Uh, they're going after this guy, and I think that was, you know, I joked about it right at the beginning. That was a good use of the alert system. We know for a fact this guy will shoot somebody, because if he will shoot a state trooper, he will shoot you. I think that's pretty safe to say. So be on the lookout for this guy up around the Cleveland area, Bolivar County, uh, and uh, just be alert and call in if you see anything. That's the update on that going on right now. Hopefully, I'm hoping that by the time we're done at 1 o'clock, I can give you an additional update that they done caught him. That That's what we're hoping for. Which is a distinct possibility now that they've sent out the alert. Yes. Everybody's on the lookout should be. Uh, and if not, you need to be now. Uh, because just because he was in Bolivar County on foot doesn't mean he didn't steal a car and take off. Or, or catch him. a ride with an accomplice. Yes. So you can't assume that Which he's, in this situation the accomplice might even might not even know they're an accomplice at this point. Yeah, yeah. Just flag down a ride and somebody, uh, you know, a good Samaritan to say, yeah, come on, I'll give you a ride. Have no idea what they've just mixed themselves up in. So... Uh, chances are good he's still on foot, but you cannot guarantee that. So that's why the alert went out over such a wide area. And that that happened seven eight o'clock this morning. That's two three hours. He could be anywhere. He he could be south of Jackson at this point if he immediately went and got a vehicle. So just to be on the safe side, they put it out everywhere. And everyone keep your eyes out uh, if you see something. Uh, Kevin and Monticello back on the AI thing. Said, I have to disagree on your five years. I recently had to take a virtual assessment test with a virtual person, and it instantly at the end gave me a personality result. In five years, they'll have it perfected. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have no doubt. And this this thing is 
is really moving quickly. Because I, if I remember correctly, I'd have to look it up. I think uh, for artificial intelligence, chat GPT in particular, uh, the time from when they opened it to the public until it had a million subscribers was a ridiculous amount of time. It was like three days or something it took. Uh, everybody jumped on board this thing. Now, as usual, 90% of the people jumped on it and then went, eh. And then wandered off to go do something else. Uh, but I thought Mose made a good point. Mose said, Dave, in 1978, people made fun of me for taking typing in high school. A few years later, everyone's trying to learn computers, and I had to leg up. I already knew how to type. already knew how to keyboard. Yeah. I, I suspect Mose is in a similar situation to me because... Well, I was a very early adopter on computers. Fell in love with them the first second they came out. Late 70s, early 80s, I had them. In the late 70s, early 80s, if you were big into computers, well, they didn't call you buddy. Put it like that. They didn't call you old pal. They didn't Life wasn't like the movie War Games. Oh, no. No one flocked around you like you were Matthew Broderick with a hair team. No. Caught a lot of heck. And then within 10 years, all the people that gave you heck wanted to know how to get the virus off their computer. And then you laugh and you laugh and say, figure it out. Enjoy yourself. This is another one of those inflection points, just like the introduction of the personal computer. Everyone who right now is being dismissive and saying, huh are saying it on one of the most powerful computers ever made, your phone. It makes the computers that took us to the moon look less than an abacus. The, the computers that took us to the moon, I think it had, what, 4K memory? Something like that. Not mag, K. So, yeah, look back at that time. Same thing is happening now. You can be one of the people that at least nosed around and kind of figured out what was going on and how it worked. And I'm not saying become an expert. I'm not saying use it. I'm saying at least know what's going on instead of waving your hand dismissively and going, ah, it doesn't have anything to do with me. Neither do computers. How's your phone working? Well, the answer is you don't know. You just hope it does. I would offer this example for it doesn't have anything to do with me as a counterpoint. There are countless people around the world who enjoy art, but are themselves not an artist. They can draw a stick figure. They might could make a simple flip book if they spent the afternoon. But they in no way could make a beautiful oil painting or a watercolor or use pastels and charcoal. They just they haven't spent the time and energy to learn it and, and, cra- and learn that craft. But with AI generated imaging if you have something in your head like a imaginary friend or a character you created in grade school or just a bob ross style picture that you have in in your mind and you go there when you have a nice quiet time you can figure out the prompts to put into a machine and that machine can spit that picture out in about 15 variations for you to choose the one you like Yes. And, I mean, it'll do it just like that. 
you don't you don't do it and then come back tomorrow and see what it gave you. Oh no, it's like thirty seconds tops, and it spits it back out. Uh, Rhett and Ridgeland, my dad worked for Radio Shack, so we had a cocoa when I was seven in nineteen eighty two. My other friends were playing Pong. We were writing game codes in basic. Did you get the magazines? They they, they had magazines. Okay, hop on the Wayback Machine with me here right now. Take you for a little trip. Uh, you, you went and you bought magazines or computer magazines, gaming, other types of computer magazines. And in the back, they would have the code for various games and programs. You had to take it home and type it in. Now, if you weren't one of the fancy people, and you didn't have some method of storing it, you had to type the whole thing in, error-free, every time you turned your computer on or it wouldn't run. I was, I'll admit, one of the fancy people, I had a cassette tape storage drive. Remember when the Internet used to scream into your phone line like a robot in pain? It would record that sound, that's how it was recording the data, on the cassette tape. You could pop it in a regular cassette player and completely destroy the cat's nerves if you wanted to that's how it started but if not you had to type it in every time uh there, there were two distinct groups at that point Th- those of us who enjoyed getting those magazines and sitting at home in a dark room with just the light of the monitor in front of us typing in line after line of code because this is so cool it's going to make a dot move and there were the other people Eventually, that second group had to come ask the first group for help because the world moved on whether they thought it was a good idea or they liked it or not. I'm just giving you a heads up. Same thing's happening now. It was one of my very first enterprises was building a program on the graphing calculator and then selling it via the little link cable that you could transfer from calculator to calculator, a program. They did all the work for the quadratic formula for you. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm not even going to tell that story. We've got Don McVeigh coming up after bottom of the hour here, but I've got a whole story about a program I wrote and actually made people go, wait, you wrote what for what? <laughs> and then it got used, so I don't know. Uh, oh, Rhett, they had a cassette tape back up, too. It was good stuff. That's what the little REM jack was on the side of cassette players at the time let the computer control it well what a completely useless half hour of radio maybe we'll pick up the quality when we come back here on middays live at the element wealth studios it's time for middays with gerard gibbert on super talk mississippi Welcome back, Super Talk Mississippi Middays, live in the Element Well Studios, and we are joined on this beautiful day in the Element Well Studios uh, by my old buddy Don McVeigh. Haven't talked to you in a while, Don, with the National Federation of Independent Small Businesses, the director for Mississippi and Louisiana. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you? Doing fantastic. Now, uh, let's let's start out with a 
status update regarding small businesses because there's been a lot of economic headwinds for years now that you and I have talked about. Where are we at right now? What are you hearing from your members? How are things going for them? Well, they're still frustrating. You know, we still face a lot of headwinds, as you say. Uh, Inflation hasn't gone away. It's still there. And uh, certainly something we still have to deal with. The continued uh, labor market is still tight. Um, You know, Mississippi's unemployment rate is down lower than it's been, I think, in quite a while. But the labor participation rate is still very low. And so that's been a frustrating thing for small business owners to still grapple with. But uh, all in all, you know, things, they're, they're there. They're, they've got their doors open and um, they're open for business. So, uh, so there's that. Have you heard any talk from your members, I would suspect you have, about inflation and, and the impacts that it's having on their, on their business? Yeah, you know, the inflation rate has continued to, you know, it goes up, it levels out, goes up. Um, right now, at this point, what our members are telling us is that they've been able to uh, manage the bottom line in the sense of raising prices to deal with inflation, but they really have, over the past couple of months, we've seen repeated um, kind of the numbers on that of our of our survey continue to drop in the sense that they've they've kind of continue, stopped raising uh, prices uh, for goods and services. So that's really, I think, positive because, you know, there's that. The prices aren't going up anymore, but uh, inflation is still impacting them. It's still one of their top concerns. Well, and I'm, I'm afraid that's going to continue for a while. Chances are pretty good. Uh, now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think uh, are we now officially in Small Business Month? We are. We are. Well, this week is, uh, you know, small business, small business week, I guess. Um, I guess we get a week, but I think we should get all year, right? <laughs> um, we, we, but we have, uh, the White House has recognized this as, as small, as small business week. And, you know, um, there's a lot of, a lot of folks out there doing a lot of great things, but, you know, I guess it kind of comes down for us. If the White House wants to help small business, they really need to abandon their plans to raise the taxes and, you know, and continue to, you know, not continue to push down issue policy issues that are going to make the heart, the headwinds even more difficult to deal with. You know, those that you continue to talk about, you know, the business conditions aren't improving. You know, they still hover at all time lows and, you know, and it's, it's just frustrating. So uh, these tax hikes that they're talking about in D.C. certainly aren't um, certainly aren't a nice way to celebrate Small Business Week. No, no, that's not the conversation you have during Small Business Week, I wouldn't think. Uh, That's just not conducive to anything. Uh, And and that's one of the major issues. Is there anything else that that just pops into your head that could be done out of Washington? And we'll get to the state level in a second, but out of Washington specifically, they could help the climate for small business aside from, you know, please stop talking about raising the taxes. Anything else? I, I think that that would be the big the big one at this point. Please just stop talking about it. But um, but yeah, I think that you know getting out of the way, uh, you know, not having IRS agents chase down small business owners and uh, not you know not trying to put additional burdens on small business owners at this point, it would be would be huge. You know, I mean, we we continue to try to you know overcome different hurdles, and look, big business they do a great job because they uh, they have a lot of a lot of things going their way 
it's just that small business owners keep getting thrown these different hurdles and and it is a different it's a difference in the size of the business that and how well you can recover from these hurdles that you have to face well and that that's an important thing and a lot of times that can be done at the state level with help from there uh what uh, number one what do you think about this past session we just finished in mississippi how was that for small business we know we're so lucky in Mississippi to have great leadership and the governor's office, lieutenant governor, and and the, and the house speaker. We're going to miss Speaker Gunn and his role. You know, we we're lucky to have a very pro small business legislature in Mississippi. And you know, uh, it really for us, it shouldn't be about what party you are. Uh, it really these issues should not be about party at all. Uh, I don't know when small business issues became such you know, partisan issues in some cases, but, you know, we really ultimately did have a great session. Uh, no harm was done. <laughs> so that's, that's the number one thing um, by the legislature. So we we're glad for that. But we also did see um, a couple of bills passed that we really were, were glad about the full expensing bill, uh, which means you can, if you are purchasing equipment, uh, you can deduct that in the tax year that you put it into service, which is a great provision and really will hopefully uh, encourage investment and cap, uh, capital investment and hopefully, hopefully help small businesses expand. You know, we, we have a lot of great things going on in Mississippi from the continued reduction of the individual income tax rate, you know, that happened last year and that'll continue to go down. Of course, we'd love to see it get down further quicker. Uh, but we understand this. You have to be responsible with the budget. So we support that. Um, but I definitely want to continue to see that rate go down. You know, we're still in the process of that corporate uh, franchise t- fa- tax phase out. Uh, so that's happening at the corporate level for even for small businesses that do follow as corporations. So there's a lot of good things happening in Mississippi, and we're just really excited about um, the, about the opportunity to share that with our members and share that with small business owners across the, across the state so they know about the good things happening. That's good news, and I think it's telling with the overall climate as much from Washington as anything that the first positive thing you mentioned was, well, no harm was done. And that's kind of where we're at, though, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's the first thing you hope for every morning is let's not mess anything up that we already have, and that's an important goal, I think. That is a really important goal. You know, like you said, with with all the things facing facing people just in general much less small business owners there's a lot of challenges in the world today and um you know there's there's a lot of hurdles coming at everybody and so uh, i think that if we can all do our best and do no harm uh get through the day then we're we're doing the right thing so i i think that small business owners in mississippi really uh you know they're growing their family business they're growing their small business and you know and they want a workforce a trained workforce that comes in is ready to work available to work and um you know and understands that they're going to offer you know as a business owner you're going to offer the benefits and the package that you can to be competitive and you want you want folks to stay and so in your communities in your main street communities that's that's what you want you want folks to come in and work for you and stay a while small business owners don't aren't aren't all about turnover they don't want to have to go through that hiring process continually so, um, you know, they want a, you know, a rising tide of stall boats. And so we feel like if we can get the right things happening, which seem to be happening in Mississippi, you know, it's, uh, it's exciting to see when maybe everything will go in the right direction. 
just very quickly, uh, you know, everything's going well here, it sounds like. How are things in Louisiana right now with our friends over there? <laughs> well, I, I threw yeah, you a loaded story. one. I, um, I, I know, Dawn. I threw you a loaded one. <laughs> you did. Um, we we are in the in the midst of session here. We just started a couple weeks ago, so we haven't even really get gotten good and revved up. Uh, but we finish here uh, June eighth, so we're in the thick of it. It's a fiscal session. We're supposed to be talking about tax reform, and we're doing a lot of talk, but not a lot of action. So. Uh, it is election year here as well, uh, so we'll we'll be going through that process in the fall as as well as they will be as y'all will be in Mississippi, and so uh, I think the election year also always has a little bit of a factor in what actually gets done. But a lot of talk. We'll get a new governor and a new legislature come next year, and maybe we'll actually take some really important steps like Mississippi has, and really do some important things as opposed to just continuing to kick the can down the road and just spend a whole bunch of money over here. Well, and uh, Rhino, I want to make sure that I make this perfectly clear that Dawn is not saying this, nor is she endorsing this, nor does she even imply this, but it sounds like we're winning. I mean, is, 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 no, you stay out of it, Dawn. I'm not getting you in trouble. It's got nothing to do with Dawn, but it just, to my untrained ears, it sounds like we're winning. But that, that, that's just me. Uh, keep up the good work, Dawn. You do, you do such a good job for such an important thing because small business is the foundation of the economy. So many people don't realize that sometimes, I think. That's what everything else is built on. If you don't have the small business, everything else just crumbles to the ground. So you're doing a very important job, and thank you so much for the efforts that you put into it. Thank you all so much. Glad to be on with you. Always happy to talk to you. Don McVeigh, the National Federation of Independent and Small Businesses. It's important work, I'm telling you. And uh, probably the best way to show your appreciation, stop by a small business and drop a 20 today. Heck, drop more than a 20. I think that's fine. They're not going to turn you down. They're not going to say, no, 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 that's too much. No, go ahead. Go see your small business and uh, do some business with them today. We continue on Super Talk Mississippi live in the Element Wealth Studios on middays right after this. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. All right, we are back on Super Talk Mississippi. Sitting here minding my own business, and then suddenly, surprise, Bruce Hornsby. I don't know if you were looking, I'm sitting here, I'm working on something, and then it just slowly dawned on me, wait a minute. What happened to Bruce Hornsby? For that matter, where's the range? I don't know. Haven't heard from him in a minute. Great piano player. Great guy just caught me by surprise. I, I was it nudged a part of my memory I had not really realized was still hanging around. Apparently, he released his 23rd album, Flicted, in May of 2022. Really? So he's still kicking? Okay. 
just no more hits, apparently. But, you know, as long as the lights still come on when he flips the switch at home, he's doing good work. I like that. Very good. He managed to pick up a nomination. Let's see. The last time he got nominated for an award was 2009 for Best Country Instrumental Performance for his song, Is This America? I'll be doggone. I'm, I'm just, I haven't been paying attention. It's probably because it seems like from the mid-90s to the mid-2000s, all of his nominated works were titled Song B, Song C, Song F, and Song H. See, that's what happens when you do instrumental music. You can't just lift like the the chorus or something out of it and use it for a title. You got to make something up, and well, you're you're tired by that point. All right, we have another list out ranking the states. At least this one is not from Wallet Hub, who has nothing else to do with their time but come up with unique and many times stupid ways to rank things. This is from U.S. News and World Report, so reputable source. They rank the states every year. This year's ranking was released this morning. Uh, Ten best states in America. What do you think was number one, Rhino? The best Hmm. state. I'm going to say Texas. Uh, No. Texas did not even make the top ten. Wow. Number one, Utah. Followed by, moving down from there, from two down, Washington State. (laughs) I want to see what they're using to judge them. Uh, Idaho, because, you know, potatoes. Uh, Nebraska, Minnesota, New Hampshire, Iowa, Wisconsin, Vermont, and at number 10, Florida. That is a fairly disparate list of of states. That's that's a little... uh, Mixed up. Uh, One of the reasons that they gave for why Utah was number one, and I'm quoting here, since early 2020, Utah's tax revenue recovery has consistently outpaced the national trend. Doing better financially than anybody else. Said tax revenue in Utah has outperformed nearly every state when you compare its overall collections in recent years to the state's pre-COVID growth trend. So it's doing better than everybody, even if you go back before the pandemic, still doing better. But I know we're all interested in the other half of this list, the bottom 10 states. I am very pleased to report we are not number 50. Louisiana is number 50. I told you we were winning. I just, In the last segment, I just told you we're winning. Louisiana is number 50. Mississippi is number 48. Now, who do you think is the creamy dairy treat between the two wafers in this ice cream sandwich of sadness? Louisiana, the worst ranked. Mississippi, number 48. Who do you think is number 49? Arkansas. No, no, it's a surprising one. Alaska. Really? Yes. I was surprised by that. Starting from the bottom, now we're here, and then moving up. Number 50, Louisiana, Alaska, Mississippi, New Mexico, West Virginia, then Arkansas at 45. Uh. So it was on the list. Uh, Alabama at 44, Oklahoma, South Carolina, and number 41, Michigan, they do call us out, though. I'm going to give them full credit for this. They do call us out and say that while Mississippi came in at number 48 overall, 
it came in number 16 in the national environment category among the ratings. So we, we may we may stink in a lot of ways, but boy, we're a looker. <laughs> they, they're not wrong. It's a beautiful state. We have beautiful, beautiful areas all over the state. The whole state is beautiful. So, yeah. I've actually seen it predicted that it could possibly be one of the southeastern states. And they, they put Mississippi and Arkansas kind of on even odds as being the last place in America with old growth hardwoods in the coming future. Yeah, I can see that. So we did get some good positive name recognition out of this, so good for that. Another emergency alert out uh, about Stanley Self Jr. Uh, described as, I'm reading the alert here, described as a black male was last seen at Isaac and South Street in Bolivar County wearing a white t-shirt and khaki pants. Please notify 911 if you see him. Uh, And we'll have more details as the show progresses. When we come back after news from Fox and uh, Super Talk Mississippi News, Stephen McCraney joins us from MEMA. Keep it here. And now, now. another hour of the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Begin your transition now. Now on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Hour number two of Middays, live in the Element Well Studios on Super Talk Mississippi. Dave Hughes in today. And joining me in the studio now, the man who is, uh, you know, I'm putting off hurricane preparedness week as long as possible in yes. this conversation because we got enough to deal with already. We do. I've got a, I've got a bushel basket full, as my grandpa used to say. Uh, Executive Director of MEMA, Stephen McCraney, joining us here. And uh, you guys, it's it's May, and you've already had a busy year. Yes. Uh, you know that if you if you look at the uh, the, the spectrum at which we uh, respond, uh, the local EMA directors are key. Uh, the 83, the 82 counties in the Mississippi Band of Choctaw Indians, those emergency managers we work with on a daily basis and train with those guys and gals on a daily basis, they're the key in the cog. I mean, they know their communities and everything else. And we've, we've, uh, been slightly busy. You know, we finished up with COVID, did a high five, uh, so to speak. And then bam, we're right into, uh, water crisis. We're into electrical, uh, tornadoes, North Mississippi, some ice. And now, uh, first big tornado event that statewide, it went all the way across, uh, from one, uh, the western to the eastern side, and uh, significant uh, damage to there. Some communities, local, they're gone, and uh, total damage there. So uh, we we have been a uh, um, the shovel has been full. Uh, that's that's an understatement. This, this, uh, Unfortunately, the, the echo of the clap from the high five after the pandemic hadn't faded away in no. the room before no. you got busy again with something else, it seems like. And I, I do want to stop for just a second and mention something uh, that you were talking about there with your local directors. This is too big of a job for just one person or one group of people to do. You have to have yes. them. Absolutely. And and uh, the, the State Emergency Operations Center is the key to MEMA. And that's where we have 16 emergency support functions made up of all 
the state agencies in the state. So if you look at the uh, Department of Education, they were in Rolling Fork trying to help with that school to get it uh, into a temporary location and also looking at statewide testing that was uh, everybody was, well, the kids are strung out everywhere. They said, no, we're not. that's not mandatory right now. So uh, Department of Human Services, uh, Department of Health, it, it, it takes a village of all the state agencies, which at the time of the state of a declaration, uh, the governor, under my authority, I'm the coordinating agency. So it's almost like I'm, I'm sitting up there tapping and the orchestra is going to play uh we have so many partners the national guard that are at, at our disposal the troopers we put them uh special duty teams out there for 24 hours a day uh, and some of them are still on duty in some of those locations so uh a lot of a lot of uh agencies at uh the disposal of the governor and uh the, the mema uh coordination cell there uh what we do and then also our federal partners that have come in Corps of Engineers doing uh, assessments on buildings to make sure we can go in and rehabilitate those uh, actually safely. The the hospital in Sharkey County, looking at it, looking at debris removal, all those uh, parts from federal to state to the local, it becomes a party at that point, and everybody's needed at some point of the disaster response and recovery. Now, I, I know at one point, right as it was happening and after it happened, there was talk that it was just one big tornado that crossed the entire state, but it wound up being multiple tornadoes, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Uh, we were actually, I was in the operations center the night that it hit, and uh, we were watching it come across. Uh, everything was just getting, the, the ingredients were all getting just right at the Mississippi River, and uh, it hit. And I, I think within about 30 minutes later, the emergency management director out of Warren County, John Elfer, was en route and on the ground in Sharkey County assisting that other EM director. And that that's the key to this. The key is knowing your surrounding counties, and they do such a good job of that. The local uh, directors do. McNema, uh, the Mississippi uh, Civil Defense uh, Emergency Management Association, that's all the partners of those counties, those EM directors. They came in and started doing assessments, and they sent teams up to those counties to work as well. So it's a, it's a perfect uh, relationship uh, to, to make that kind of response happen. Well, and that's it. Now, at some point it has to happen, but we're obviously not there yet. But at some point, if if things continue like they are, can you foresee in time where we might be stretched too thin? And, I mean, not because anybody's doing anything wrong or not doing their job, just too many things at once, too many balls in the air. Well, if, if you, I want to invite you to come out to MEMA because on our wall we have EMAC, which is Emergency uh, Management Assistance Compact. That's all 50 states and territories. We have been to Hawaii for the volcanoes. I did not go to uh, Hawaii for volcanoes, but I did send staff there. We've been in Florida. When this event happened, we asked Florida to come up and immediately uh, set up uh, uh, big 18-wheelers in uh, Sharkey County. Uh, those emergency management assistance teams came up with them. I got a housing program from Florida because they had just gotten through practicing it uh, from a hurricane just previously. So uh, in the southern state sector, Region 4, uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, uh, Alabama, uh, Kentucky, each one of those directors called me that night. And that's what we do when one of us gets hit in what I call the, the SEC of disasters, uh, response. That's what we're, we're in. We're going to get one every year. We just don't know where it's going to be. And so we're constantly talking with each other. We have, uh, monthly meetings with each other. Says, hey, I can send you some help. 
I'm not taxed right now. And so you never can have a big enough organization to be ready for everything. But uh, through uh, EMAC and other other uh, ways that we do it in the state, uh, the SMAC process in the state, that's what we did during the water crisis. We brought in water teams from other states uh, as far as away from South Carolina. And uh, so that's, that is that is how the big game is won. You bring in that specialized player when you need it. Special teams. Absolutely. Special, Special teams wins the game. Every we'll just stick with the SEC reference and go with it. I like it. Because like it's it. good. It, it makes sense. It, it, it does. And uh, we are well practiced in Mississippi. I have a great team at MEMA and then the local partners. Uh, I just can't say enough about them. I, I responded originally to Katrina uh, when I was in the military, and that kind of cut my teeth on that side of first response. And uh, very, very uh, happy to work with, with all the players that we have. Now, you, you we're talking about the tornadoes. And I, I just want to get your opinion on something. It's not an official thing, but I'm starting to see some talk about something that I think we have felt was the way it is for a while. Tornado Alley has always been considered to be out in Oklahoma and Kansas and those areas. It's here now, not, isn't it? Uh, to me, not anymore. If you look at uh, how many uh, tornadoes we've we've had over the last uh, – I think 2020 was our busiest year. We, 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 we had a ton of tornadoes. And if you look at the map, it is now shifted downward. And uh, between uh, the Region 4 buddies, the SEC that I call it, it is. That, that's, that's where it is. And uh, that's just where that, uh, uh, th- those winds go. And uh, we're, it, it is it's a terrible storm. It's very dynamic. It's very quick, and then it's out. And the destruction behind those tornadoes are something that uh, we're working right now to pick up, clean up. I think we've done a great job. I've uh, got some great vendors out there that uh, specialize in debris removal. Uh, Sharkey County, uh, city of Rolling Fork. Uh, I used to be my district back in the day when I worked for another state agency. And uh, uh, it, that we've done a great job. Now we've got to get into the housing. Uh, now, now we're looking at that short-term, long-term. We have... Uh, we've partnered with the American Red Cross uh, for them to do our temporary housing, to be able to get people in hotels, get them undercover. Uh, wherever the Department of Education, another another move on the state response is uh, wherever that survivor is, that's where they could go to school. You didn't have to register. You didn't have to have any paperwork or whatnot. So we're taking care of those survivors in every way that we can uh, with every agency that we have. And that's fantastic because in a lot of those cases, they don't have any paperwork to go fill out the forms no, to get them registered. No, and that's, that's what we do in the SIP, as, as they call it. So uh, uh, we had uh, mobile uh, units for the Department of Health that you could fill out and get your birth certificates uh, and then Social Security cards and then also uh, Department of Public Safety for a driver's license. You have to go in to get a commercial one, but uh, but they could be able to do that in the field. And we rotated those tents and those things around just to try to serve those survivors wherever they are. Well, it's a fantastic thing, and it's not a quick process. No matter how many people you have or how many resources you have that you can right. bring to bear, you, you don't fix it in a week or a month no. even. No, this is a – we call it long-term housing for, for a reason, and it, and it is uh, – uh, it's not MEMA speed uh, or MAC speed, as I call it, because I, I like to run a lot quicker and faster uh, in, in, in disasters, and I think we've proven that we can do that when it's just us. But when you get to one of this magnitude – 
Uh, I, I look back at Smithville, one of the uh, tornado events that I worked. Uh, this is one that is very methodical. Uh, we've got the registrants out there, uh, the, the, the disaster.gov for FEMA. If you've registered there, now there's people that are calling you to see where you qualify for some of that long-term housing. We've got to make sure the sewer's uh, able to be hooked up. We've got to make sure electricity's there. Water uh, is there for that hookup. And then zoning issues, and making sure that we can do some temporary zoning uh, with the local board of supervisors, cities. We've had some local governmental meetings. Uh, the state coordinating officer, Todd DeMuth, who works for me, has gone out and said, and with, along with the FEMA coordinating officer in those local community government agencies to talk with them. Here's what we need you to be a little uh, um, uh, movable on so we can get that done. Got to have flexibility in yes, that kind sir. of situation. At any point uh, over the last few months, uh, have, have you thought about calling my old buddy Greg Michelle and saying, hey, you want to come back for a weekend? Uh, Actually, he's been texting me. He okay. said, well, he said, your tornadoes are worse than mine when I was there. And I said, <laughs> well, thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. And uh, But that, but it is true. I've, I've, uh, we, we, we've spoken with many times uh, uh, Latham, uh, Robert Latham, others. It, this is a band of, of, of brothers and sisters, and we care about each other. We know what the stress level is. We know how important it is. And uh, I get a lot of high fives to say, hey, keep going, you're doing good. And uh, that's that's important to know. We are talking with Stephen McCraney, Executive Director of MEMA, and we will continue. And now, the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Now, on to the real part. Dynamite! On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Super Talk, Mississippi. Rhino, just go ahead and take it to a break. We were having a great off-air conversation, and there's no need to drag everybody else into this. We We were having a good time. Uh, In studio with us, Stephen McCraney, Executive Director of MEMA. And uh, I told you we'd get back to it, so here we go. Yes, sir. Now, in the wake of all this mess that we're having to deal with, we have to get ready for hurricane season because it's less than a month away now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you look at uh, last one, we had Hurricane Ida. That really impacted the state. That was a thirty million dollar disaster, and I'm continuing to work it to this day. I mean, we have uh, our public assistance uh, folks um, are out there uh, working with local communities, whether it's a bridge, whether it's a roads uh, that get eroded away, and that type of infrastructure. Uh, that that was one that we didn't think had a lot of damage, but at the end of the day, it was thirty million. So every one of those events are ones that uh, we can plan for. And the only thing about a hurricane is is that you've got time, but you have to pay attention. You have to, you know, today's that day is is kind of know where you are, understand the forecast and what it means to you, and then your neighbor and others. So that, uh, that's that's uh, we we go through this whole week of of let's concentrate on this thing, that thing. You know, taking pictures and inventories of things in your house uh, to be able to explain that to your insurance company where you can get properly reimbursed if you do have a catastrophic event uh, at your home for the hurricane. But but right now, understand what. Uh, 
what those surge levels are going to be. You know, tomorrow I'll be with the uh, hurricane hunters. They're going to be in Jackson. I'm going to go out there. Uh, they're going to display their airplane for, for uh, folks to come and see and see what that technology is. And it's very good technology now. I mean, back in the day of Katrina, when I first responded, it was kind of a swag. And uh, I remember one of my buddies called me and said, man, I'm supposed to be on the coast, but I, I, I think I need to get back up further. What are you hearing? I said, 30 foot's coming. You, you need to get about 40 miles back up from where you are. And he did. And then he was able to respond back in. So, But now all the models that we have, the information that we're getting from the Hurricane Hunters, uh, NOAA, uh, the, that service, we can get this almost finite. But then Mother Nature always has the vote. And that's where we get the left wag or the, or the right shift. And, and it's it impacts an area that might would have been in the clear. So uh, we're actually going down for search and rescue uh, uh, next month. Uh, uh, they did a great job during this tornado event. Uh, they're a tight unit made up of all the firefighters in the state of Mississippi. It's not this special unit that sits there and does nothing. They're fighting fires, doing responding to events every day. But we build teams out of them, and Department of Homeland Security Force here in the state uh, manages uh, those teams and does a phenomenal job. So hurricane season is coming. It's just just like just like we stay with SEC, right? Just like football season's coming, and we love every Saturday. Hurricane season's coming. Uh, we plan for the worst, and we hope for the best. This, this is spring practice, absolutely. Uh, right now yeah. to get ready for the season because it is coming. That's what Hurricane Preparedness Week is all about. And like you said, breaking it down one thing at a time makes it a little easier to digest. And I then you get so. to the end of the week and you turn around and you look back and go, wow, I did a lot of stuff, if yeah. you just follow along. Absolutely. If you just do a little bit every day, uh, that, that's all it takes, you know, getting up and walking just a little bit every day if you want to start an exercise program. This is the same way we kind of approach uh, Hurricane Week. Um, uh, the governor signed a proclamation for it, and we're, we're trying to ring that bell hard now so you'll be in much better place uh, when this comes uh, because we know it's coming. Uh, we know we're going to get – if one of the other states gets hit, we get the aftermath of it. And we also get uh, people that are escaping to the state of Mississippi. Uh, so we have to look at that population that moves around away from the, the hurricanes that will impact the local communities. We have to put more troopers in Hattiesburg, for example, uh, the emergency manager there. Uh, he and I talk uh, all the time. He said they're coming, and every hotel room is full. So you almost triple to quadruple the capacity of a city very, very quickly. And then so you – Law enforcement, uh, ambulance services, uh, hospitals have to be ready. So this is not just one area uh, of emergency management. This is the whole community that's got to get ready for that impact that's coming. Well, and there are some things you can do that can cut down on traffic, cut down on the burden, and get yourself in better shape. If you see, let, let just throw a hypothetical out here. There, there's a hurricane coming in. They've got this one locked in. They know where it's going. There's a high-pressure system keeping it over to the west. It's going to go in just to the west of New Orleans and come up. Right. When you see that get locked in, go ahead and go to the store and get your supplies and fill your car up with gas and then go home. It's not going to hit here, but everybody that it is hitting is going to be here. Absolutely. Going to the grocery store, getting gas, and you don't want to be in the middle of that. You can cut down on the congestion and the problems that way. Maybe you just think about a gallon of water a day per person. 
That's a family of four. That's almost five gallon container of water that you're going to need to go through, and that doesn't count the point where you're trying to to get out. And the, the it's not that we don't have the gasoline, don't have the services, but we can't get them there. Uh, there's a point to where when the winds are up so high, eighteen wheelers are not going to drive. They're not going to be able to refuel. Uh, then we have to start prioritizing fuel and services for the first responders to go get people out of harm's way. So there's a there's a lot of factors that that just uh, one degree shift in a storm can really do an impact. And it's almost like in Mississippi, you see one snowflake, everybody's at the grocery store getting milk and bread. Do that now. Go ahead and just build that rotation of stock. Change out your water. If you drink bottled water, uh, do that. Have it ready. And then as you use it, get another one to restock that uh, that supply kit. On the bright side, everybody should still have plenty of toilet paper after the start of the pandemic. So, you know, we're in good shape there. There we go. <laughs> you just, I knew you were coming. Yeah, yeah you, you knew something was coming. Yeah. Uh, but but it just amazes me how people work. Because if we see a storm in the Gulf, you're exactly right. Everyone has to go get those vital ingredients of a milk sandwich and take them home and I'm like well, you, you, they, they had milk and bread last week what, yeah. what, what are you doing? It's non-perishable food. Just start now just a little bit at the time. Everybody's budget's tight and I get it but if you just buy that extra jar of peanut butter or jelly or, or whatnot and just those things that will last uh, for a while and just kind of keep them but rotate them. Buy some more put it in your box take that out and it's just it's very it's like a spare tire for your car. You got a spare tire but do you have a jack? Do you have a jack handle? And and so it's it's being prepared as an individual. The government's going to come. Seventy two hours. First seventy two is on you. That's what we preach because it, it it is a machine that we crank up. Now the SAR units, the search and rescue, they're immediate. They're going to move out there. They're going to do exactly what they need to do. Life safety first, and then I start thinking about property later on. But uh, just know that that's going to be tested. And uh, if you do a little bit of preparation, your comfort level is going to be a lot better. Uh, during that response. Oh, and I would say one more thing with your tire analogy. Uh, in addition to making sure you have a jack and making sure you've got a spare, make sure you know how to change a tire. Yeah, check the pressure in it because yeah. it's been back there five years. The heat and the cold is going to – air particles don't sit in the tire forever, and uh, you just got to be ready. You don't want your bread to be dry rotted. Okay, I mixed metaphors there. Yeah, that probably went did. in a weird direction, yeah. didn't it? Uh, but but you do need to, to make plans in advance and think further ahead than right now. Exactly. That will help everything. And batteries. Get batteries. Absolutely. For your if, you, house. if you don't have a charger for your cell phone, a lot of people are just cell phones now. I mean, you've got uh, uh, all the, uh, the different combinations of media. Uh, we we try to use each and every one of them for everybody because my mother is newspaper, twelve o'clock news, six o'clock news. My my oldest son is nothing but a cell phone. Everything in his world is handled right there, and you bet he's got a brick behind it that he can charge because he's not going to be without a signal. Uh, and and also my other son. So it's uh, uh, making sure that you have what you need for your family, but also think about well, what about your grandmother, grandfather? Well, what about the extended family? What about the neighbor across the street? What if their house gets blown away? Yours doesn't. Do you have enough water? That's your neighbor. Uh, to be able to take care of those things. So the little things you can do now is just going to get you ready for till I can crank up that big machine of of uh, water distribution, food distribution, ice distribution. Then we start thinking about medications. Uh, how can we get you refilled, bring it in mobile, uh, pharmacy labs and whatnot. So it is a big picture. 
that I'm looking at to be able to mobilize again, but it's going to take me just a couple of days to get that that turned on to, to be there for the survivor. Let me ask you if this is a fair statement. Those little things that you can do now to get ready are going to be enormous things if you wait. It's going to be huge. Uh, especially when you look at medication and other things. Well, we had that problem up in uh, up in Rolling Fork absolutely. in that area, didn't we? A- absolutely. And you're, you're, uh, we were working with the hospital, and the doctors were, were talking and talking to us, look, we're not getting calls from our patients, and we know their prescriptions are expiring. Where are they? So we had to locate those that were two counties away, uh, some here in Jackson living with the family members because they could take care of them, see them at night and see them in the morning, and during the day close instead of being in Sharky. A lot of thing comes, things come together that you take for granted. You, you take for granted, you can just run by and grab that gallon of milk or, or oh, I'll get my prescription filled tomorrow because I'm out today. That's not necessarily the case when you have a, any type of storm, bad weather coming in. Stephen McCraney, Executive Director of MEMA. I'm glad it's you and not me. <laughs> Let me say that because, but but you're doing a fantastic job. Well, I can't think yeah, super talk enough. When I was in the disaster zone areas, I listened to you guys on the radio, and to be able to get that message out uh, statewide, uh, you're the only way that can do it. I can have the greatest plan in the world, but if I can't get that information out, and uh, just been a great partnership uh, with, with you guys, and I just wanted to ring that bell on that that. Uh, if I can't get that message out to the public, that they're, they're not going to be able to do what I need for them to do. Well, thank you for that, and we are always happy to do that. If you've got something you need to get out, we got the biggest mouths in the state. We'll be glad to shout it for I you. Saw the, I heard the PSAs on my way in this morning. Y'all putting out great information uh, for survivors. So thank you again. Anytime, anytime. Stephen McCraney, Executive Director of MEMA. We continue on Middays in the Element Wealth Studios next. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk Mississippi. I see on the ceasefire text line we have some backup. Yeah, we're Tornado Alley now. I mean, it, it, it's kind of obvious. I saw a map, and I can't, I'm sorry, I can't remember who generated it, but they had a red dot for every tornado uh, over the last year. You couldn't see the state of Mississippi on the map. It was a giant red blob. And I know for the longest time, I, I don't know if we still have the lead, but for the longest time, we had had more tornadoes this year in Mississippi than any other state. So, yeah, I, I don't know why, other than, I don't know, some sort of perverse bragging rights, you would want to hold on to that title, but everybody seems to think, oh, no, it's, it's still out there. Now, nah, I'm going to argue with that. And that's not even counting the hurricanes. We've got hurricane preparedness week. That's coming. Brace up for it. It's going to happen. Um, speaking of emergencies, did you see, Rhino, we have another balloon. Yeah, it made its way over, was it Hawaii? Yeah. 
non-sensitive areas of Hawaii. So I guess just I, and it's at thirty-six thousand feet. I'm pretty sure it covers the entire Big Island in what ten minutes. But they say it can't navigate. It's it's not maneuverable. It's not transmitting any signals. It's just a giant balloon. Is what they're saying. When did balloons become such a big thing? I mean, technically, they've been using them for years. Various countries have. But my my follow-up question to that, uh, obviously, China has them. Several other nationalities have them. Um, does America have a, a a military balloon department? Do, do, do we have that capability? Do we have inflatable technology in the military? Other countries do. Do we do we have some of these things floating around? I haven't seen anyone ask that yet. Feels like we're a little bit ahead of that curve. I don't know. Like we're not having to use non-maneuverable, inflatable investiga- investigatory apparatus. Yeah, but at the same time, we seem to be having our share of problems dealing with them, so it's not the stupidest idea that anybody ever had because it's working. You know, we we found out after the, the first spate of balloon invasion uh, that it's been going on for years and we didn't notice until we fine-tuned our radar. So they've been getting away with this for a while and we didn't even know. So in that way, it was very smart, which again brings up the question. We, I mean, yeah, what costs more, one big and big balloon with stuff hanging from it or a fleet of spy aircraft that can reach the same elevation yeah. or altitude? But they take, you know, fuel and a pilot and all this infrastructure. Meanwhile, you just got one guy in China sitting out behind the military base going, and then they let it go. So I don't know. It's it's smarter than it appears. But we'll keep an eye on this balloon because heaven knows we have nothing else going on to worry about. (sighs) Balloons. I did not have that on the bingo card for this year. But here we are. Speaking of the theater of war, have you seen the reports coming out of Ukraine? Which ones? The pre-dawn missile strikes coming out of Russia hitting depots. Yep. Uh, there's conflicting reports, and of course, with the fog of war, you, you kind of got to either wait or find a better source to get the real information. But the two different reports are either Russia has been targeting a small group of targets that were known to have stockpiles of missiles and rockets and ammo and pretty much everything else they were going to use for their counteroffensive, or... It hit a rocket fuel manufacturing facility, which would also cause a pretty big explosion. But there are videos all over the place of just a gigantic explosion. Yeah, and uh, probably not done with that kind of thing because this 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 is not dying out over there. It's not going away. I don't know if you saw China is kind of starting to try to rein Russia in a little bit now, which I don't think anybody saw coming. We thought for a while, oh, China's in, in you know on board with Russia now and they're partnered up and no, China's kind of going, "Hey, hey, slow it down. Back it off. We don't need this right now." Cuz they're starting to see the impact of all of the financial restrictions that have been put on Russia and the 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 problems they're facing in both the short term and the long term 
as far as their economy. China's economy's on shaky ground enough as it is, and they don't want possibly their biggest partner to go belly up economically. Well, that's exactly right, and uh, there, there's not really anything else you can do from a reasonable standpoint decision-wise other than, okay, let's just knock this off. Let's just – are they, you reach a point, and this point really should be before you start firing, but you reach a point at, at some time in the process where you have to make the decision, are, are any gains I'm trying to get worth what I'm losing? Which is the point of sanctions to begin with, obviously. But that's assuming that that's the motivation. And I'm not quite sure that's the motivation here. Batman always had trouble with the Joker. Why? Because the Joker, half the time, he didn't know why he was doing what he was doing. It was just fun. He was just doing it to be doing it. Look at me. I'm awesome. I'm not trying to draw a parallel between, you know, the Joker and Putin because, well, I don't want to insult the Joker, but it is still, I think it's a valid comparison. In this case, in case you're keeping up with the stocks, I know it's a midday midday's tradition. Uh, just wanted to point out, you know, they they seized First Republic Bank uh, in in the, basically the middle of the night Sunday night because they wanted to get it done before the bank could open yesterday. So the California regulatory agency seized the bank, immediately put it into receivership with the FDIC, who immediately sold it to J.P. Morgan Chase in a deal that was pre-worked out. So it was literally just paperwork. Bam, bam, bam. Lots of paperwork. A lot of paperwork. Uh, and problem solved, right? If you heard the report yesterday out of Washington and everywhere else, oh, well, that that's it. We're good now. This was the last one that was really problematic. So uh, we, we got this sorted and everything's fine. Nothing to see here. Move along. Well, today. PacWest Bank is down 30% on the stock market. They've had to halt the trading several times due to volatility. Western Alliance is down 25%. Metropolitan Bank is down 21%. Home Street Bank is down 15%. And I could keep going on the list if you wanted me to. Regional banks are not having a good day. So when you hear the the potential rosy face that's being placed on this by saying, and I've actually seen officials make the comment and say, well, First Republic, that's, that's pretty much the end of the banking crisis. We've got it under control now. They were the last one. And I don't know about that. Ironically enough, the phrase to use here is, I wouldn't put my money on it. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll have to uh, uh, keep that. Oh, I hadn't heard about that one. Another uh, shutdown. We had Bed Bath & Beyond last week. Apparently, uh, Jerry and Waynesboro says Tuesday mornings is closing. I hadn't heard that. Uh, th- there's a lot of different things that are shutting down. It's continuing. And in some cases, it's because uh, the market changed. It's not necessarily, you know, to do with the economy, even though that does have part of it. Uh, you're competing now with Internet retailers. You have to offer something the Internet 
doesn't. That that that's any before the internet existed. If you opened a business and you were offering the same thing at the same price with the same level of service and the same quality as everybody else, well, good luck. You got to have something that you point to and go, well, yeah, you can only get this here, whatever it may be. We reached the point, Bed Bath & Beyond, earlier before that, Toys R Us was another great example. Uh, The Internet beat them on price, beat them on convenience, beat them on service with the same exact name brand quality products. Guess what happened? That's the way it works. Because the Internet's inventory is much larger than any brick-and-mortar stores could ever be. Yes, and so many of them, Whole Foods aside, are still offering free home delivery. So you don't have to put on your pants, you don't have to burn any of your gas, and in two days it'll be sitting outside your front door exactly what you went would have went and bought anyway. Businesses have to figure out a way to combat that, and the only way to combat that is to offer something that they can only get from you, whether it be price, whether it be quality, whether it be service, whether it be convenience, something, or we're going to see this wave continue of big chains and big stores having these problems. We will continue on Middays on Supertalk next. You know what that means. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. We'll do it live. On Supertalk Mississippi. I have to share this with you. I'm a bit worried for myself. Welcome back. Middays in the Element Well Studios, Super Talk, Mississippi. Dave Hughes here. And I'm worried because I just found a study uh, that they have conducted. Researchers from Alto University in Finland. Not Balto the dog, Alto, the university in Finland. They have found that if you have too many tabs open on your computer browser, it greatly increases your stress levels. Hmm. So it's entirely possible I may expire sometime in the next 10 minutes, if that's true, because good grief. Here at home, I'm one of those people, I don't know if you do this or not, I know some people don't do multiple tabs. Or, you know, they'll, they'll, and this is a foreign concept to me, they'll open a tab and then read it and close it. And I don't get that. Uh, I, I literally have, uh, hold on, because it gives a, a handy little counter. I just did a close all tabs on my phone browser. Right. Like a few days ago. Uh, I currently have 59 open. Usually all I see there is a smiley face because it only will display two digits. So when you get to 100 or more, it's just a smiley face. So, yeah, and I don't know what you're what, – what, kind of, what kind of person are you? Do you have a whole bunch of stuff open or do you close it? Uh, it depends on what I'm using. If I'm using a laptop, I try to keep the tabs to a minimal so I can still read what the, the tab says so that I can get back and forth between what I need. 
but on like my phone i've just got it set up to where if i haven't looked at the page in a couple of days it just closes that tab for me so i don't even really think about it anymore oh now that's fancy but and this is the cardboard box theory of computing what if you need that tab next week it's still in my history. That's where my brain goes, though. That's how it operates. So I'm, I'm just not sure if I'm the only person. I have this horrid suspicion that I might be. But, oh, Dan in Hattiesburg, thank you. Backup has arrived on the C Spire text line. He says, guilty as charged. I have 68 open. Yeah, okay. It's not just me. I feel better now. It happened. And I, I think it's, it's it's a personal preference, but it's it's a personality thing, too. Some people have the temperament to turn out the light when they leave the room. Some people walk out of the room. I tend to walk out of the room. I would argue you could probably have at least part of the population that didn't even know it was an option. They just thought you got a window open. All right, click on something else. That's another window open. Something else, another window open. Then you got to go through and close all the windows. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just know that every so often I have to close all tabs because my phone starts physically groaning when I try to do anything else on it. That's when it starts visibly slowing down. I realize, yep, oh, yeah, probably time to do away with that tab I opened back at Christmas. <laughs> no, seriously, I had some last last. I think it was the end of last week when I did close all tabs. I had some I opened in December that were still open. I have a problem. I'm. I'm Freely admitting it right here in front of everyone, I have a problem. But it's okay. It's going to be fine. How much do you think we spend on Mother's Day every year? Mm, hundred bucks on average. Uh, as like a country. Oh, as a country? Add it all together. Uh, Just take a guess. $17 billion. You are almost exactly half right. Thirty-five point seven billion dollars was spent on Mother's Day last year. Just letting you know what mom is expecting. I don't want you to get in trouble if you don't rise to the proper level. You think it's bad when you under tip. Take take mom some little tchotchke that cost five bucks at the convenience store on the way over because you forgot and watch what happens. Don't do that. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Be interesting to see with the the economy doing what it's doing, with the labor market doing what it's doing, uh, if that number goes up this year, or would that number go up even if spending stayed the same due to inflation? That's the trick to it. You could actually have fewer people spending, realistically less, but because of the effects of inflation, it would look like it stayed the same or went up. But the problem is, the bottom line at those small businesses we were talking with Don about back in the 10 o'clock hour, they don't get the benefit of that because everything just costs more. This is the point we're at. The cost of bird seed has risen 20% this year. Bird seed. My personal thought, the birds were eating fine before I was born. I see no need to get involved at this point. I say that. we got feeders all over the house, the yard. And, you know, it's, it's a great thing, but, uh, yeah, keeps going up. Sorry. You're on your own, Polly. We've got news from Super Talk Mississippi News, Fox News, and then the third hour of Middays on this Tuesday live in the Element Wealth Studios. 
Keep it here. I got a doozy coming up next hour. Thank you, and now, and now, the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. That's what I like to listen to. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Super Talk Mississippi Middays on a Tuesday. Dave Hughes in the seat here in the Element Wealth Studios. And uh, before we get into anything else, uh, we do have a better description of the suspect that they're looking for. The Mississippi Bureau of Investigation uh, has released one. Uh, Stanley Self Jr. I'm just going to read from from their notice here. Stanley Self Jr. is described as a black male, 24 years of age, five feet nine inches tall, weighing 165 pounds, with brown eyes and black hair. Uh, as we said earlier, last seen at Isaac Street and South Street at about seven o'clock this morning, a little after seven, wearing khaki pants and a white T-shirt. Uh, they now say, as we were talking about earlier, he left on foot. Last he was seen, he was on foot. But they say he may be traveling in an unknown vehicle, which I think is a safe assumption, which means that it has been five hours and he could be anywhere at this point. Five hours is enough time to make it to the coast, New Orleans, wherever. So uh, the, the the circle continues to widen with every minute that goes by. Keep an eye out for him. If you see anything, call 911. If you think you see him, call 911. And In fact, five hours, he could be closer to Atlanta than he is here. Yes, yes, very much so, because it's only, what, seven, eight hours from here to Atlanta driving. Uh, so yeah, he could be over halfway there. You don't know where he went, what direction he went in. He could still be right. He could still be within a block of where the shooting happened. Don't know, but got to play it safe in this case. So I uh, just wanted to get that information out there and continue to get that information out. And uh, we'll keep you updated over the next hour if anything else pops up. All right, <clears throat> it's way off into the deep end of the pool, Rhino. We were talking about this. I gave Rhino a heads up during the break where I was going because you know me. You and I, we've met. We know how this works, right? Sometimes Dave goes off the rails. Uh, The Associated Press did a survey uh, in cooperation with the Nork Center for Public Affairs Research. Uh, World Press Freedom Day is tomorrow is why they did this, this survey about the press and what people think about it. Well, as part of the survey, they asked the question and they wanted to know from the respondents uh, if the news media, in their opinion, is doing more to increase political divisions amongst people, decrease them, or it doesn't have any impact. That was one of the questions in the survey. 74% of the people across all political alignments said that the news media is doing more to increase political divisions than anything else. 6% said that they're decreasing it, and 18% said, ah, it doesn't matter. 
So you add the decrease and the doesn't matter together, and you're still at only 24-25% of the population. 74% said, well, yeah, they, they keep fanning the flames. We're And I've talked about this before. My opinion here. We're about to see a sea change, and it's going to be driven by people. I think we saw an example of that last week. Everyone was shocked when Tucker Carlson was let go from Fox, and there could be a myriad of reasons why that happened. People not quite as shocked that CNN let Don Lemon go because, you know, Don Lemon. Uh, But you take a step back, look at it from a, a higher altitude view, the two major networks that are very easily identifiable as being on one side or the other of every issue took their most extreme, the, the, the most right person on Fox, the most left person on CNN, and got rid of them on the same day, at the same time. There's a lot of different factors that play into it, but I think part of the decision-making is coming from wetting your finger and holding it up and feeling which way the wind is blowing. It was announced yesterday that I think it's next week or the week after, CNN is holding a presidential town hall with Donald Trump where he will take questions from New Hampshire Republicans on the air live not not CNN people, not Democrats. They're not going to be interviewing him and grilling him. They are giving him a platform to answer questions from other Republicans on CNN. The wind is changing. The last time Donald Trump was on CNN was during the 2016 campaign. He has not appeared on that network for seven years. And now they're giving him a platform. I'm telling you, if you take a step back, you look at this, the winds are changing. And it's going to be driven the same way it is always driven. Rhino, you put it beautifully during the break, I think. That was a, that was a great turn of phrase that you used. Yeah, when the leave-me-alones get tired of the look-at-me's. Yeah. The comparison that I draw it to, and, and here's the thing. People, and I've said this before, I've said this before on this show, people can only stay angry, scared, panicked for so long until they finally just shut it off. They go, "Eh, okay, whatever. And the example I give is the pandemic. If you remember, we went through that whole thing with the pandemic. On a Friday afternoon, everybody that was going to work left work with their mask on, scurried to the car, scurried home. Oh, my gosh, still using hand sanitizer everywhere. By the way, please keep doing that. You're nasty. But just doing all of the the precautions and everybody's, uh, that was on Friday afternoon. Monday morning, everybody showed back up to work and said, oh, yeah, I'm over that. Did you catch the game this weekend? And it was back to just like that, back to business as usual, like flipping a switch, because that was the point where everybody finally said, yeah, whatever. That happens every time. You go back, you study history, you look at these kind of situations, that always happens. Everybody can be scared, panicked, and angry for so long before they become ambivalent and disinterested. 
And I think some people way smarter than me are starting to see that if you look at some of the moves that are being made at the national level. I think they're starting to figure out, wait a minute, we have a presidential election coming up where 70% of the people don't want the current president to run again. Over 60% of the people don't want President Trump to be the nominee for the Republican side again. And this is the two that we're going to run against each other. When a majority of Americans don't want to see either one of them on the ballot, this is a tipping point. We have them every so often. I firmly believe this is one of them. And we're going to see a bit of a retreat from the polarization and a a bit of a step back, if you will, uh, from the continuous ringing of the bell by everybody on all sides. And what's it going to be driven by? The people. Because I'm sorry, I don't care what other things were going on. How much money did Fox throw away by letting go of Tucker Carlson? He was their top-rated guy. He was he was the top. It's not even disputed. He was the top. He was the biggest thing going. He was the hottest thing going. He was not cooling off. He was not moving downward in the ratings. And they just pulled the plug with no warning, no discussion, no nothing. Just we're done. That didn't happen because he accidentally parked in Lachlan Murdoch's parking space at the offices that morning. That's a big decision that they made. Why? Same thing with CNN and Don Lemon. If it was because of his behavior on the air, that firing would have happened a year ago for all the problems that he's had, but they've been sending him to this class and getting him this training and telling him that don't do it again over and over and over. And then suddenly at the same moment, oh, no, we're done. Out, go, beat it, when he showed up for work. None of this happens in a vacuum. And this is, I think, in large part, once again, one of my favorite activities. I'm claiming told you so space right now. You watch. We're going to see a bit of a sea change. Now, what will the end result be? Who knows? could go in a multitude of different directions. But every time I hear President Biden up there and he throws out the term, those mega Republicans, I'm like, dude, your team needs to get the message to you. This is not going to work this time like you think it is. It's not. So unless he changes that messaging, well, he's not helping himself. Isn't it funny how quickly they resort to the same tactics they said made Trump a horrible person? Name-calling? He's so juvenile. It's just like those mega-Republicans. Hey, 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 Captain Hypocrisy. Rain it in just a little bit. People reach that point, and then we're here. We will continue on Middays live in the Element Well Studios. I want to hear your opinion on this on the C Spire text line. Let us know. We'll continue next. It's so awesome! Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Come on! Let's get on with the show! On Super Talk Mississippi.
Ben in Hattiesburg does raise a good question I've seen before, and I haven't seen an answer to it. If you recall, Kevin McCarthy gave all of that footage uh, from January 6th to Tucker Carlson and no one else for him to broadcast it. Now Tucker Carlson has no place to broadcast it, so what happens to it? We're going to hand it to somebody else? Does it just go away? Do, do we all just hope nobody brings it up? I imagine that would be in the negotiations for his exit, because it's been reported that he has been taken off the air, but he is still under contract with Fox, and they are negotiating a buyout or severance package. And I would imagine it would come down to however his contract is worded as to information he gained that the network did not gain. If it's in the contract. If not, then there's going to be a whole lot more gnashing of teeth in that arbitration. Then you would also get into the complication that the Speaker of the House specifically released it to one person, not the network. So I don't even know if the contract would hold sway in that case, depending on how that was If the contract had something in simple terms, not in legalese, but basically saying any and all – information that tucker receives for use on his show is also property of fox news yeah then then it could go that way but then they might hear from speaker mccarthy over it he he might come up and go wait whoa 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 you hand that back right now and then you've got the speaker of the house saying no you can't use that so then where does it go Again, that that's a question that is up in the air. We'll have to wait and see how that plays out. But yeah, I've heard the same thing. His contract is still in force. He can't go anywhere else or do I know Newsmax is after him hot and heavy. News Nation is after him like crazy. Uh there's plenty of places he could land if he wanted to. But, but it feels like he would probably rather start his own enterprise. Do you think it's a fair statement? And I want to hear from the text line on this one, the ceasefire text line, uh, 601-879-4395. Do you feel like Tucker Carlson is a perceptive guy, knows what he's doing? He's willing to say, you know, what's happening at any given moment. I asked that for a reason. Did you see his video on Twitter? Oh, yeah. Middle of the road, blasting the media for right versus left and building up these divisions. For the same thing we were talking about in the first segment. What was Tucker's message in that two minutes and 16 seconds? It's all a show. Don't buy into it. We need to have debates and conversations about important topics, not what they tell you to be upset about. So once he was freed from that, where did Tucker immediately go? How did he reposition himself immediately? The first time you heard from him after he was let go, he positioned himself in the middle. Go watch that video again. And tell me which way you think the wind's blowing in terms of all of this. Ronnie and Summit says he's sharp. Yes. Yeah, Scott and Clinton. If RFK Jr. runs as a 60s-era Kennedy Democrat, he could splinter the current Democratic Party and uh, probably would win the general in November. RFK, There's a reason the DNC has said we're not doing debates. Yes. 
RFK Jr., he's he's got some kind of out there opinions on things. Vaccinations come screaming to mind, but he's a viable candidate. And everybody, when he announced, everybody kind of went, yeah, and? And all of a sudden, he was polling at 19%, which has surprised everybody that we haven't even gotten started yet. He's already at 19%, which is about 18% higher than anybody expected him to be. Yeah, because, I mean, with debates, you can set a limit. It's like, well, you have to be polling at this percentage or we're not going to invite you to the stage. We're just not going to waste our time and energy. We have limited time for the debate, so we can't have everybody on the stage. you got to hit a certain threshold. It's tough to make that threshold 20%. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they would do it if they had to because yeah. they are gaming this as hard as they can for Joe Biden. And why do you game something that hard? Why do you decide not to hold debates and try to move where the prim- first primaries are and do all of these things to completely redo the process entirely? Why? Because you know you guy couldn't win in a fair fight. And the polling data backs it, backs it up, 70%, including a majority, 51% of Democrats don't want him to run. When you just ask his party, they don't want him to run. So they have to cook the books as much as possible to get him in as the nominee. It's the only way they can do it. And they don't want RFK Jr. No. That that's There has been a long storied history in America of... Kennedys and how well the establishment loves them. You know exactly what I mean. That didn't just go away. So that's an interesting battle in and of itself we're going to have to keep an eye on. I would say if Joe Biden, something happened to him and he decided he woke up tomorrow and said, nope, I'm not running, never mind, I withdraw that, I think RFK would jump right to the top. Of the list at For this the point. polls. Yes. I think the Democrat Party would then back up and punt and have to make the decision, do we run Kamala or do we burn this thing to the ground and pick somebody new? Yeah. I, I don't I don't. I don't see the, the DNC getting behind RFK Jr. No, I don't either. Even if Biden bowed out. I don't either, but I don't know. This time around, at this unique point in history, I don't know that it would matter. Not as much as it has in recent contests, because, again, only so long. And then people go, eh, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. Happened with the pandemic. It's happening now, because, again, what what was the first and only so far communication from Tucker Carlson since he got let go? Dead square in the middle, talking about how both sides are causing the problem. And fair play to him admits in there and says, and I'm speaking as someone who has participated in this. He owned it. But it was a completely different message than we have heard from him on the air. Because the wind is blowing from a different direction. Kind of feels like RFK Jr. is the reverse, the bizarro Ross Perot. Kinda, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Just crazy enough, but just likable enough to make an impact. Yeah. <sighs> 
William and Greenville, get ready for Mrs. Obama. She's still out there. She's still a possibility. Yeah. I don't think that's that's bad. Yeah, Mount Herman, uh, Sam. Uh, and I'll be sure to pass this along to Gerard when he gets back, but uh, for now I'll answer. It says, I think the Democrats would back Gavin Newsom, except Gavin Newsom has already come out and said he ain't running. He's confirmed that, so that that's off the table. That's not an option. He wants nothing to do with it. Thomas points out Ross Perot led to Clinton. Yeah. So now... Looking at it from the other direction, it could lead to a Republican win. That's why I said bizarro. Yes. Yes. Because you've got a one-term president. You've got a wild card from the opposing party. Or no, from the same party. And an unpopular candidate on the opposing party that you never know. Stranger things have happened. He's the mirror universe Ross Perot. He has a goatee. The question is, will Trump have some musical instrument he can pull out on a late-night talk show to see his numbers go through the roof overnight? And sunglasses. you got to have the sunglasses. Whatever happened Wasn't it slick, really, with his saxophone? Was it Arsenio Hall where he yeah. played the sax and his yeah. numbers like went up 30% overnight? Yes. Showed up with his dark sunglasses and his saxophone and played it on the Arsenio Hall show, and his polling went through the roof. Anyone. It was long before I ever paid attention to politics. So I'm, I'm basing it on what I've read and watched and learned, so I had to make sure it was right. Oh, no. I saw it, and I sat there with my mouth hanging open going, I am not seeing this. There is no way this is what's happening. Then I saw the polling the next day and said, okay, I'm not seeing this either. Yeah. It's a hard one piece of knowledge in life. The day you realize... People, as a group, are shallow. Oh, they're so shallow. You you could walk through a puddle of people and not get the soles of your feet wet. They are shallow, shallow. And that's a great example of that. Mass psychology is dangerous. And it's been weaponized. But that won't last. Never has, never will, never does. Just my thought. Thomas says, and DeSantis will still be sparring with Mickey Mouse. Yeah, I think we need to drop that narrative. He's fighting Goofy. Interrupt this program. Gerard Gibbert. Here we go. This is huge. Huge, huge news. Huge, huge. Huge news. Huge. You need to listen to this. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk, Mississippi. Just want to make sure I'm keeping up. First, Bruce Hornsby. And now a deep cut from Eddie Money. So we're going to play that game today, Rhino. I see. I see, <laughs> I see what we're doing here. It's okay. Welcome back. Middays in the Element Wealth Studios. Dave Hughes here. Uh, oh, man. A couple of things here. <clears throat> just, just clearing some things up. I don't know if you have seen the story from... Florida yesterday. 
uh, judge down there uh, had someone in in her court, 21-year-old woman, and told her that her diagnosed anxiety, she had a prescription for medical marijuana, the judge in the judge's vast medical knowledge, I guess, said, well, your, your condition really doesn't call for something like medical marijuana. That is no excuse to be used. I don't care that you have a prescription. I don't care what the doctor said. You don't need to be using that. You need to switch to Xanax. This is how you make yourself stupid by beating a drum. Xanax is worse than marijuana in terms of addiction, in terms of recovery, in terms of effects. It's stronger. And the drug, uh, the, the, the judge told the woman that, and I quote here, that her anxiety was not a sufficient reason to take medical marijuana and then recommended that she considered taking uh, Xanax instead. She's a county judge. (sighs) Seven years ago, medical marijuana was made legal in Florida, by the way. This isn't new. They're not just working through the process. You can't legislate morality, nor can you legislate or judicially rule on health concerns. If it's legal in the state and a doctor wrote you a prescription, conversation's over at that point, right? I mean, if you've got bad back pain because you drove an 18-wheeler for 30 years... Well, even at that point, it's not up to the patient if something has gone awry. It would be a problem with the prescriber in that instance, would it not? Yes, Yes, but you, you so you change a diagnosis and you change a prescription in court from the bench. Mm, that's a whole different area. That, that's I mean, a, flip it around a little bit, but it's it's a hypothetical in the same vein. She shows up and she's on an antibiotic for one thing, and the doctor goes, "No, no, 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 no! You don't need a Z pack. You need augmentin." Is that really up to the judge? <laughs> This judge thought so. Why? I I guarantee you why. Because of the word marijuana. It's so scary. It's so (laughs) frightening. Listen to that. I'd much rather you take this chemical concoction that's known to have some pretty significant side effects and a very high chance of you getting addicted. Guess what? Street-level drug dealers sell Xanax. It's one of the, the things they keep in stock. But that that's better than, you know, medical marijuana that you have a prescription for in a state where it's been legal for seven years if you have a prescription. Well, you've got a prescription from a licensed provider, licensed medical doctor. I don't think the judge has any business in that at that point. My thought, but I I don't see how, uh, no. Unless the doctor then gets to rule on, you know, legal matters for the judge, I don't see how that's supposed to work. But this is what happens with the division that we're talking about. You build everything up into a binary choice. Yes or no. There there are no 
grubbly white areas in the middle. It's yes or no, all or nothing. That seldom turns out well in the long run. It just it, it doesn't turn out well in the long run. It's why the Second Amendment exists. It's why the First Amendment exists. Because you can't have it all one way or the other. Because, here's a fun fact, and this is a fiction writing thing, every villain believes they're the hero of the story. Or they're not a good villain. Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, it's a lot grayer than everybody wants to think it is right now, and I get that because of the times we're in, it's much easier and it's much more comforting to realize you can be right or wrong and there's no middle. Eh. Here's a great example of it. This judge obviously against medical marijuana. Fine. Personal choice, that's fine. You don't get to interfere with a doctor's prescription to their patient because you don't like it. Somebody just did that in Florida yesterday. That's a problem. Doctor-patient, that's between the doctor and the patient. Unless you want the doctor telling you what you can take. And then a judge coming along going, no, 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 I don't think you should be allowed to take that. Yeah, it's legal. Oh, yeah, it's totally legal. Yeah, you got a prescription, but uh, no, no, I don't like it. So, no, we're going to well, – I'm going to recommend you swap to something else. Mind your own business. That's what it comes down to to me. And this is another example of why the political wind is blowing the way it's blowing right now, and it's going to continue to blow that way for a while. And I think a lot of folks, next year in the presidential election, but a lot of elections moving forward, uh, there are going to be some surprises. There are going to be some surprised people. Because I think things are about to start working a little differently than they have been in the recent past. The polling numbers back that up. The, the moves national media are making. Tucker gone, Don Lemon gone. Donald Trump getting a platform on CNN for the first time in seven years. These are not minor things. When you add them all up and you start getting the the big picture from all of it, you see what direction things are heading. But yeah, you you don't get to you don't get to make those decisions from the bench. My opinion on that. Maybe wrong. By the way, Ray on the coast, I'm here for you, my friend. I, I figured somebody would catch the goatee comment. I figured I figured it would hit somebody, and it did. It was it was my new best friend Ray down on the coast. He got it. Star Trek reference. If Spock has a goatee, we're in trouble. That that's the rule in that particular situation. Uh, still haven't seen any uh, update on the guy that shot the state trooper this morning. Luckily, again, shot him in the arm. The reports are it's non-life-threatening. I mean, he's still got a gunshot wound, so it's serious. I'm not going to say it's not serious. Uh, but non-life-threatening. Glad to hear that. And at this point, honestly, he could be anywhere. So keep an eye out for the guy. If you see somebody suspicious, if you see somebody acting suspicious, call 911. That's a good idea on, a, on any normal day. But right now especially, until we get official word that this guy has been found and apprehended. 
and then we can let the the legal process play out from there. But until then, got to find this guy. They're working as hard as they can, and they will put the word out, I'm sure, as soon as they locate this person. But like Rhino and I were talking just a minute ago, he could be anywhere at this point. I mean, that was almost six hours ago. If he got out of sight on foot, stole a car, and took off, you can cover some ground driving for six hours. He could be deep into Arkansas, Louisiana, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia. He could be anywhere. Or, like I said earlier, he could be a block from where he shot the state trooper. We don't know. That's why everybody has to pay attention and be on their guard. And if you see something suspicious, call 911. They're not going to get upset. They're not going to get mad because you called in a false alarm. We'd rather have a thousand false alarms and find the guy before he hurts anybody else instead of not being bothered and he's left roaming around armed and dangerous. That's the rule of thumb for that situation. <sighs> Final break coming up. Wait, wait, wait. We've dealt with some heavy topics. I'm going to lighten it up a little bit for the last because, well, there's fuzzy dice legislation. This is uh, this is in Illinois because, of course, where else? And I'm not joking. It's uh, Fuzzy dice are literally mentioned in the legislation. You're going to love this. We'll deal with that in the final segment next, live in the Element Wealth Studios on Super Talk, Mississippi. Heartaches are going to the inside. My tears are holding back there. I'm trying not to fall. My heart's out of the running to love scratch for another sake. The race is on and it looks like heartaches. And the winner loses all. The winner loses all. Gerard Gibbert, going beyond the headlines, breaking down the stories that matter to Mississippi. Middays with Gerard on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Final segment of Middays on a Tuesday, live in the Element Wealth Studios. Dave Hughes here. All right. In Illinois, it's illegal to have anything hanging off of your rearview mirror. And it specifically mentions fuzzy dice, specifically mentions, uh, what else is it here? Um, Air fresheners, rosaries, or disability placards. You know, your parking permit to park in the disabled parking space, the handicapped space, uh, it's illegal to hang that from your rearview mirror in the state of Illinois, which seems a bit odd to me, but okay, whatever. There's got to be a caveat in there or something about the vehicle has to be in motion. No, not really. Really? Yeah. Uh, House Bill 2389 has been introduced uh, and it's still active as of yesterday. Yesterday they had action on it. Uh, they added an alternate chief co-sponsor, Senator Willie Preston. It's already passed the House. 
uh, to remove that restriction because they said police in Illinois use that as an excuse to pull you over. If they see anything on your rearview mirror, they pull you over and then they they go to town to see what else they can find. It's it's a reasonable excuse to stop someone. Probable cause. And then they're off to the races and they say this is a, a horrible thing and it's got to stop. As I said, it's already passed the House. Looking pretty good from everything I've seen in the Senate. So this is a 100% factual sentence I'm about to say. Illinois is about to take legislative action to allow you to hang fuzzy dice on your rearview mirror. Because, really, you get right down to it. There are no other problems in Illinois. That's a big one. Got to take care of that. The fuzzy dice community. Or I mean, they're only, what, 40 years behind? Yeah. At least? Yeah. Because, I mean, while there are still cars on the road with fuzzy dice hanging from the mirror, that that was very much a, what, 50s, 60s, 70s, maybe into the 80s kind of trend. And then started kind of dying off. Yes. Do they have legislation for truck nuts? Uh, not that I have seen. I don't know. I think that's a good question. <laughs> I think that's something that needs to be examined. We also need to haul whoever invented those things into court. I don't know why, just just because at this point. For offending the sensibilities of the population. And hopefully the judge will recommend they get on Xanax, because that's apparently the way the judicial system is working right now. Why not? So, yeah, I just wanted to let you know, uh, you you may be uh, coming up very soon on a time where you don't have to remove your fuzzy dice or your rosary from your rearview mirror if you're driving into Illinois. I know it'll be a relief. You saw that pileup yesterday on I-55. Yeah. Up in uh, in Illinois. The wind blew up a bunch of dirt from a freshly plowed field. It's like 80-something vehicles that were involved in this pileup. Uh, six people, I think it was, died. Over thirty went to the hospital. Two semis caught on fire. I mean, it was it was an apocalypse. A little tiny one took forever to get it cleared up because the wind stirred up some dirt from a plowed field. And they went from having miles of visibility to nothing. Yeah, in the span of about five hundred feet. Well, and from what I've what I've heard in the reports from the witnesses and the people that were driving in it, when he says zero, I mean they could not see the front of the hood of their vehicle. And like flipping a switch, you're driving down the interstate. If the speed limit is seventy, if my trip up this morning is any judge, you're doing about ninety. And it goes from full visibility to bloop as it blows in from the side. It's not like you saw the cloud coming and started slowing down. It blew in from the side all in one big mass, and it caused a huge pileup, and rightfully so. Uh, So, you know, it happened in Illinois. I have no doubt there will be legislation that will be introduced to uh, ban cultivation of fields next to roadways. That'll be next. Why not? That seems like a logical response. There's one thing that we forget, and I know we desperately search for meaning, and we're constantly looking for some way to figure out who's right and who's wrong, the best way to do things. Sometimes bad stuff just happens. 
we could wrap everything in bubble wrap and make everything perfect and just as safe as possible, and then a meteor will come down and hit us in the back of the head. There is no such thing as doing away with all the problems. That's called life. Wise man once said, the only fair fights happen with gloves and a ring. Yes. Sometimes they're not that fair. Depends on the ref. Anybody got to him with a strap of 20s before the match, yeah, it's not fair then either. So just remember, don't want it to be that way, but let's deal with reality. Sometimes bad stuff happens, and I, I hate it for the folks that were in the middle of that. That's That had to have been terrifying. Had to have. You have a wonderful day now that I'm leaving you on an up note. We will uh, do this again tomorrow, starting at 10.06 here on Super Talk Mississippi, my friend. See you then. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.